Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of uh, the Weekly Beat. Firstly, I'm coming to you from uh, Johannesburg in South Africa. Uh, joining me is um, Maggie Mutesi, joining me from uh, Dakar, Senegal. And today we've got a treat for you folks. Um, we've got special guest joining us from Banjul in the Gambia. His name is Maudo Jalo, and uh, he is an advisor to the office of the president of the Gambia. Maudo, welcome. Thank you for having me. Great, great. So we're looking forward to a great conversation. Maggie, Welcome. Yeah, Amanda Khan, it's good to have Maud on the podcast. Today, we're very excited to talk about uh, the Gambia, and particularly because uh, it's uh, well, regarded as uh, the smiling coast of Africa. Uh, and Maud will correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong in saying that. <laughs> but uh, it is um, one of the smaller-ish countries in the West Africa, and uh, we want to learn more about it. How have you folks been coping, first of all, with uh, the COVID pandemic? Um, how's been the risk from the government and uh, the citizens? What's been going on? Please fill us in. Yeah, so uh, gladly. So we in the Gambia initially had, uh, you know, a, a problem that wasn't necessarily unique to us. We had uh, a problem of uh, adequate testing and uh, proper facilities to be able to, one, uh, judge the current state, you know, um, to have up-to-date data to judge the state of uh, the spread in the country. And then two, uh, facilities to take care of uh, people that are sick. Um, so a lot of makeshift uh, facilities had to be put up in order to be able to isolate and treat people um, as well. So, so initially it was, it was quite worrying for, for a lot of people. Um, and uh, because we didn't really know what the true state of the uh, COVID pandemic was in our country due to a lack of data. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I guess 18 months or so on from that, um, what what we're seeing now is that there's a huge uh, improvement in terms of capacity. You know, a lot of people have uh, taken up the, the, the job of just, you know, joining the government or volunteering. Um, also, international organizations have stepped in. Um, you know, so, so there really is uh, this renewed confidence because the Ministry of Health now has good data and the testing is, is, is up and there are a lot of testing centers. We're still not where we want to be, but it's, it's a huge improvement from uh, last year. All right. Plus there's some um, good traction that's going on. In terms of vaccines, where are you faring? Uh, I know obviously as a continent, we are all lagging behind, but um, as a country, how are you folks doing? Um, in relative terms, I think we're doing well. So when you look at the figures, uh, well, the last uh, figures that I saw, which was uh, as of yesterday, um, we've fully vaccinated around 160,000 people or close to it, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in a country where the population is around 2.2 million, uh, that's significant because it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's up there in terms of percentage for African countries. What's really helped us is that we got a shipment of Johnson & Johnson shots 
Yeah, it's very interesting. And when I spoke to Dumi this morning, I said, you know, we're having uh, Mauro from the Gambia. The question was, oh my goodness, we really need to cover this country. Obviously, there's so much to touch on, but because the entire podcast is basically investments and business, I just want to touch on recovery. Uh, we see a lot of economies, of, of course, opening up from East Africa. Uh, you know, restrictions are being eased because of the amount of money that has been lost with, uh, you know, the effects of COVID-19. Uh, we're looking at Gambia going to elections in December. But again, you know, it's one of the most affected economies, considering that it highly depends on tourism. What are we looking at? post this pandemic or as we move into the elections in December, what would you tell investors? As a Gambian, I would love to say that it's still a great place to invest. However, we do have some significant challenges. And due to the lack of diversification of the economy, you do have an issue. Unfortunately, the sectors that have passed, i.e. tourism um, and the greater sort of hospitality sector, has struggled greatly. Um, And Gambia wasn't necessarily... Um, an all-year-round tourist destination. It was seasonal and still will be. So it, it really, really got hammered. And there aren't a lot of flights that come here to begin with. So a lot of the tourist or chartered flights from the UK and other parts of Europe stopped flying to Gambia. So there were some real issues, a lot of um, unemployment as a result. People lost their jobs. And the tourism sector is, is huge in the Gambia in terms of employment, but also in terms of our GDP and, and people's livelihoods. So there's some real challenges. Um, However, speaking to um, experts uh, here who are in the hotel industry, I have a lot of friends who are in the hotel industry, and and they're optimistic about the future because they feel that there is a real chance to get some investment and turn things around. Okay. So it sounds like the majority of, uh, call it the GDP, uh, probably came from or probably comes from tourism sector. And I suppose, like many other governments across the continent, um, they need to sort of diversify and sort of look at new revenues uh, and not just rely on tourism. Because um, when I was reading a, a report just the other day, and it was saying that the tourism industry is going to struggle to come back. So, so we're looking at sort of like protracted uh, downward numbers when it comes to tourism. Yeah. You know, a funny story about uh, the Gambia. I vividly remember when I was, I think I was in, uh, well, we call it Form 3 in, in Zimbabwe. So I did my high school in Zimbabwe. Yeah. We were told to draw the map of Africa. I vividly okay. remember my history teacher just, I'm like, no, sir, I'm done. And then I gave, and I gave him my, my, my map of Africa. And then he just took one look and was like, there's no Gambia here. So, so from that day onwards, it, it became something that I always notice whenever I right. see a map of right. Africa. I'm right. like, hey, where is yeah. Gambia? I need to see Gambia here. Yeah. I'm, I'm upset, though. I'm really upset. You know, it, 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 however, brings me to one of the things I am always curious about. And of course, as somebody who really loves to go around to, and I get so fascinated about stories when it comes to business and investment and all of this. One of my biggest stories I loved was the Senegambia a bridge that I think uh, both countries agreed on a couple of years ago. But, you know, now when you think about it, Dumi, and of course, Mauro, when you look at it and you see Gambia in the middle of Senegal, Senegal is one of the fastest growing economies as of last year. Of course, Gambia is also on the rise as well. There is so much happening. There is always a question that is this in any way affecting? Is this in any way uh, boosting the country as the Gambia as it is? I mean, this is something I'm always curious about. You make a great point. Uh, The project itself 
according to the figures that I have, um, cost about you know ninety million dollars, and it was a combination of different funders, you know, including the AFDB. Uh, yeah, the AFDB was huge in funding this, and when that happens, usually it tells you something about the aim of the project, right? So creating greater um, infrastructure for trade between Gambia and Senegal, but also it would cut the travel time for you know major. Uh, trade in the region because alternatively you would either need to use the ferry you know which takes a while and is not very reliable or you need to go around the whole of Gambia in order to get into Senegal um, to get around you know the Gambia in, in order to get to Dakar or, or vice versa so it, it really was looking at cutting the time it takes to transport goods and also it was more of sort of this symbol and real uh, sign of regional unity and, and creating literally a bridge between the two countries. Mm. Okay. I'm sort of curious, how has been the situation in the country uh, from a development perspective, uh, obviously with the new government in place following um, the departure of exiled former president Yaya Jame? Yep. Um, has the new president been embraced? Um, how has been the situation like? What sort of efforts have been taken to sort of maintain peace? throughout this whole time, more so now as we look forward to the elections. What are some of the things that are being done in the country uh, to sort of maintain peace? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, this is something you could probably have a whole two-hour show about. Um, but to summarize, I think the main thing is, in terms of the security situation, it's been very, very stable. You know, if you speak to okay. several people who post Jamia were, you know, worried about what you would call unstable um, security situation, they've been largely wrong. However, you know, there were incidents, um, particularly very early on, with, with um, some of uh, Jame's loyalists who are still, obviously, they're Gambians, they're citizens, and they're still here. And um, with the new democracy that's been founded, their voices are valid. And of course, they have a right to, you know, have a right to speak out. However, some of it got violent. But Again, these were isolated incidents. Um, largely, the country is stable, it's peaceful, um, and Gambia has a track record of being both stable and peaceful. And the final point I would say on that is the ECOWAS mission here called ECOMIC, which is the, the ECOWAS mission uh, in the Gambia, has been great in terms of being a stabilizing force. Um, so there's an ECOWAS force of military personnel here who have been supporting the Gambian sort of military apparatus um, in order to maintain peace. And also they form a part of the guards at the state house and also e-ministries. Oh, okay. um, so they've, they've done a good job as well. So I want to commend ECOWAS for that, you know, African solutions to African problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get so curious because also with the departure of the former president, also he left a collapsed economy, weak institutions. There's so much that happened. The, the amount of money that he left with as well that I think the government was trying to get back economically, when we look at the Gambia now, of course, I know you're working on probably different strategies, I'm assuming, uh, especially with the campaign coming in in December. What are some of the priorities we're looking at um, in terms of moving forward, uh, especially in a, a region that is becoming much more competitive? We're looking at Dakar, surrounded by countries like Senegal that are actually are moving at a pace that is, you know, unimaginable. Absolutely. I completely agree. And this is a topic that I discuss with family, friends and colleagues all the time is, you know, in a region where you have superstars like Senegal, Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire and so on, how do you set yourself apart and how do you attract 
investment when they could easily a few hundred miles north and and be in the city of Dakar, which is you know as you know Maggie because that's you know that's where you're based, is <laughs> fantastic. But for me, it comes down to you know just being intentional about uh, creating strategies that are meant for you, not taking it from elsewhere, not copying it, or you know necessarily listening wholesale to what is being sold to you by international partners, but truly developing a, a strategy that's um, built from within. So I'll give you an example of this. As a small country, if we're able to invest in our human uh, capital, you know that's really what's going to do it for us. We're not a country that has vast resources. We're not a country that um, has a huge population size like Nigeria. So when it comes to the usual things that I would advocate for in other countries like manufacturing or, or agro-processing, some of these more labor-intensive um, sectors, that doesn't truly apply in the Gambia. So what I would advocate for is um, a focus on human capital development and, and digitalization of the economy so that we're able to build um, an economy for the 21st and 22nd century, you know, where we're truly uh, creating opportunities for young people and in creating a, a hub and a center for digital excellence and also financial services. I think this is how we can look to the future and, and this is how we can create um, opportunities for young people like myself um, to, to, to prosper in the future. All right. Sounds like uh, for a country that's uh, regarded as uh, somewhat small, uh, it, it really is packing a lot. And uh, this has been quite informative. So in conclusion, we're going to do uh, what I call a rapid fire session. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of four or five questions. Uh, you're going to give me the first answer that comes to your, to, to your mind. Deal? <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't get me in trouble, but yes, deal. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's just so people know more about, uh, about the Gambia. So one, capital city? Banjo. Most spoken language? Ooh, uh, Mandinka. Oh, okay. Uh, official language? English, English. Oh, all right. The currency? Dallas. Okay. Um, one place I should visit that's in the forest? Ooh, uh, I would say Bantakunku. It's it's beautiful. If you look it up on online, it's uh, B A N uh, K U N K U. It's beautiful. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, which beach should I visit? There are a few of them. I think what I would say is it depends what you're looking for. Uh, you know, a lot of people love the beach here, so uh, I would say try a private beach if you can. Maybe a beach at a hotel if you're looking for something more quiet. Oh, okay. Um, but generally, right. I would say Bijilo Beach because it's close to where I live. So do let's do Bijilo Beach. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, and lastly, the main religion in the country is what? Islam. Islam. It's uh, ah, okay. depending on who you speak to, it's it's between eighty to ninety percent uh, Muslim. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Yep. Um, so I think we're going to leave it there for today and uh, really would like to thank you so much, Maudo, for uh, taking time out and uh, sharing more about the Gambia. Um, personally, I've, uh, I've also learned some things that I didn't know. And oh, by the way, congrats on the Man U signing of Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I'm a know huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you. I'm very excited about this season. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Hopefully, uh, I'm not disappointed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. On that note, folks, thank you for listening to this episode. A special thank you to my co-host, Maggie, our guest, um, uh, Maudum, uh, the team behind the scenes, and of course, you, the loyal listeners. 
Please remember to visit our website, mansamedia.africa, for more news about the continent, as well as follow our social media pages, Mansa Media Africa on Facebook and Mansa underscore media on Twitter. Uh, please follow our podcast on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music so that you're notified whenever a new episode goes live. I am Dumi Jere. Until the next time, here's to peace and profit. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Mansa.